Hello, and welcome to IRI Growth Insights C-Suite Conversations. I'm your host, John McIndoe, Chief Marketing Officer here at IRI. Using IRI's industry-leading liquid data technology, we integrate big data, predictive analytics, and forward-looking insights to help companies in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets grow their businesses. We also share our thought leadership with the industry at large with the goal of addressing and tackling key challenges within our industry. Our C-Suite Conversation Series features notable leaders talking about the future of CPG and retail. In this episode, we'll be talking about Hershey's consumer-centric approach to innovation, the impact of the pandemic on future convection and snack trends, and of course, leadership lessons. The Hershey Company is one of the largest chocolate makers in the world, but it also has an expansive sweet and salty portfolio with brands including Hershey's Chocolate and Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Skinny Pop, one of my personal favorites, Twizzlers, and Icebreakers, among many others. Throughout its 125-year history, the Hershey Company has adhered to its founding principle of doing good is doing good for business. Our special guest today is Kristen Riggs, Chief Growth Officer of the Hershey Company. She leads the company's growth strategy with a focus on creating more occasions for consumers to connect with Hershey's beloved brands. To accomplish this, her role leads consumer intelligence and analytics, enterprise strategy, mergers and acquisitions, media, marketing excellence, innovation, and of course, research and development. So no small task. Kristen has been with the Hershey Company since 2005, and prior to her current role, she's held a number of key positions in marketing, sales, and commercial planning. Leading today's conversation are KK DeVay, IRI's President of Strategic Analytics, and Catherine Bennett, Principal, IRI Team Lead for Hershey. Kristen, KK, Kathy, so great to have you here today. I'll turn it over to you guys. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. We really enjoyed having you participate in our Growth Leaders webinar earlier this year. Uh, so we are looking forward to our discussions today. I'm so excited uh, to be here. Thank you for having me. Welcome. So Kristen, in addition to being a growth leader, as we noted earlier uh, this year in 2020, we are recently released new product pace setters report which you know, the industry looks forward to. For 2020, you had two uh, of your large brands. One is Resistance ranked number nine and KitKat Duos ranked number 23 among the new products that are very successful in 2020. That's pretty impressive. Congratulations on that. Thank you. We would really love to learn uh, about how, um, you know, how you are driving growth in the category uh, and, and driving success for Hershey, right? So that's, that's the angle with which we are going to tackle today's uh, thing. I think I may have heard that you're trying to architect categories as opposed to being a traditional category captain. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah, we've really spent some time reframing the idea and as the leader of the category, thinking about how we do drive total category growth. And as we think about architecting the category, this framework around, first of all, understanding the consumer. We have more data points than ever before on insights, real-time consumer understanding, learning about what's changing in their behaviors, all of the data that we get from great partners like you, 
allow us to really just have so many data points around the consumer. But if you don't filter those into the lens of our strategy, I think sometimes you can, you can get a little bit paralyzed by data. The other kind of important part as we think about the right way to architect category growth is really the commercial realities. We pride ourselves in being a great partner of our retailers and understanding deeply how consumers shop at retailers, the dynamics of how the category works for our retailers. So as we kind of bring those two ends of the spectrum together, the insights and analytics of, and, and centered in consumer understanding, and also the realities commercially of how we operate at our different retail partners, everything from convenience store to mass trade to dollar store, we're able to create opportunities that really meet the consumer need and also are relevant for the shopping that's happening in different retailers. So we're really thinking about that framework as the way for us to frame all of our growth opportunities. And that's everything from innovation to things that we're doing in price pack architecture. So it's, it's been a really meaningful framework and we've been applying it in our business. That's fantastic because those are all the topics we're going to kind of get into uh, one by one, but let's just start, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, where everything starts consumer. Um, as we, uh, you know, we thought we were all kind of slowly kind of getting out of COVID since the mask mandate came off middle, middle of May, we have seen a lot of data that just suggested uh, that uh, you know a lot of consumers are doing lots of things outside. Uh, more recently, some disturbing news about the Delta variant. So you know, lo lo lots of lots of shifting shifting sands here, if you will. So talk to us a little bit about specifically what are you seeing from a consumer angle uh, in your category and more broadly in you know in in, in CPG. Yeah, early on, um, we took a really hard look at what we had been focusing on before COVID. So trends like value were emerging prior to COVID. And that's been a trend that we actually have continued to monitor and see and accelerate since COVID happened. So how we think about value, it's interesting because until we started digging into the consumer research, you think, oh, you must be talking about opening price points or below $2. We do 71% of our unit sales below $2. So opening price point really matters. But as you started to go through the data and understand what was happening, also this whole occasion around assortments was emerging that are actually much bigger, larger sizes of pack types. They're used differently in the homes, but it's a kind of value framework that consumers think about into their lives. So as we started to shape our value strategy, it wasn't just the low price point value that mattered. It was that holistic look at value. And we had thought about that prior to the pandemic, but we've really reframed that um, post pandemic to be an important part of our growth strategy moving forward. Another trend that was really happening that accelerated that has had so much discussion and it deserves it because it's changing the landscape is digital and digital shopping and and how we're thinking about partnering in an omni-channel environment with our retailers. Again, it's, it's important that we understand the dynamics channel by channel, shopper by shopper, so we get that partnership right. Our retail partners depend on us to think about digital in terms of season shopping, in terms of everyday shopping, click and collect versus deliver to home. And, and how we do that is really critical that, that we take a lens to that shopping occasion. 
Another one that we've talked a lot about and we've had big emphasis on is better for you. So better for you is something, again, that was happening prior to the pandemic. And we saw the emergence of emotional comfort in our category become really important last year. Um, but better for you um, has, been, has been critical for us. And the last one, which I find most interesting is how the home is turned in the hub of consumers' lives. So if you think about prior to the pandemic, people would go home almost to refuel, to go back out. So that mobility factor of, of how people were operating in their lives, home was like a pit stop <laughs> and it's the place where you slept. But now home has become the hub and people are working from home. People are you know, teaching their school at home for their kids. People are thinking about neighborhood parties in the home versus maybe going out and doing a bunch of things. So reframing the home for us brought so many interesting opportunities and our category has so many different ways to play in the home that we've really just found it to be a treasure trove of innovation and occasions and opportunities as the more we learn from consumers about it. So that's been one to me that, you know, we'll have some level of stickiness. We do believe that work from home again, you know, I'm not I'm not, uh, I don't have a crystal ball to predict everything that's gonna happen, but we do know that from even our own employees that there's a desire for more flexibility. So working from home changes how you eat during your day. And it certainly changes our role in the category at Hershey. So those have been the four trends we probably spent the most time looking at. Some of them are more accelerators and some of them are new and emerging. Is there any uh, any differences you found among uh, different types of cohorts? Because when you talk about consumers, immediately people pivot towards cohorts, et cetera. Is there anything like that in your categories? Yeah, the value, I'll go back to that example. The value cohorts actually come at it from very different ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So a lower income consumer cohort is more centered on opening price point. And you know, with the kind of growth we're seeing in channels like the dollar channel and the number of stores they're opening and the growth and momentum there, that's an important cohort for us to understand. When you think about the value of, um, you know, the bigger bags and larger segments, that cohort is normally young families. So we actually saw 50% of our growth, a little over 50% of our growth last year in our business come from young families. So that, that cohort is important to us. And also the way that they shop and the way that they see value is different than a lower income consumer. So really understanding those dynamics becomes critical to making sure we have the right offerings, the right occasions for all of our consumers. It's the thing I love most about working at Hershey is that our category is relevant to everybody. And that I think is a really powerful thing. And if you can leverage and harness the ubiquity of candy and the accessibility of candy. It just goes back to Milton Hershey and exactly why he founded the company as he wanted to make chocolate affordable for everyone. So it's our job to continue that legacy and find offerings that meet all of the occasions for all of our consumers. I think you may have already touched on this, Kristen, but uh, just, just to be explicit, which of these trends besides working from home do you think uh, is going to last? Uh, again, nobody has a crystal ball, but from your vantage point, what are you seeing? You know, we are almost one and one and a half years into the pandemic almost, right? Yeah. One plus years, yeah. In home specifically, one of the interesting ones we have important occasions, not just in candy, but also in broader snacking is streaming movies. 
So mm-hmm. one, one fact that really caught my attention as streaming movies post COVID on a daily basis has grown nearly 10% from the mid fifties to the mid sixties. And so that, that trend has continued, even as mobility has increased the summer. And mm-hmm. so for us, that movie occasion, and I think it goes back to the broader occasion around entertaining and, and ways that you entertain at home. We see that being an enduring trend. And so we're thinking about that opportunity, both from a chocolate perspective, as well as a popcorn perspective with Skinny Pop and how we might meet that need. Um, I think value too, we, we talked a lot about it. Yeah. We actually have a long-term strategy around value that we've accelerated. So um, one of the interesting insights, our king size, which I think everyone knows and loves from convenience store has four Reese cups. And so what we found is that four Reese cups weren't quite enough to share. And as people are looking to snacking, sharing is becoming more important, either because people are home together or people are on road trips together or whatever that need might be. So we are um, working on a launch for this year that's super king. (laughs) And this is actually six Reese's cups instead of four, but it's Mm -hmm. enough for sharing occasions, which make up over half of the occasions in the king size pack type. And so it's allowing us to really think about, again, how we reframe um, around a value mindset, um, not just product innovation, but also things like pack type and pack price architecture innovation to bring that forward. So um, value will be something we spend a lot of time working on as a company, and we have a lot of strategic levers to pull over the coming years. Great. Thank you, Kristen. We're going to double click on some of those in a little while. I'm going to turn it over to Catherine on innovation. Catherine, over to you. Great, great. Yes, I'd love to dig in a little bit more, Kristen, on some of those key themes that you spoke about and how you're then translating that into your innovation strategies and to what extent you have shifted how you think about innovation or how you approach your innovation strategy in recent years. Great. Yeah, I would say innovation has been an area, even prior to COVID, we were really thinking about, and we've seen some great success there over the last 18 months. It's kind of reaffirmed this idea of reframing innovation from a big core bet. So a lot of times we were placing a really big bet in a category like a cookie layer crunch, like a Hershey's gold, where we would launch one big item and and have a really strong focus on that. And we've reframed innovation instead of having one big bet to think about it in a couple of disparate pieces. One is around product innovation, which is always going to be important in the candy category. People get excited about product innovation and it's part of what makes our category so special. But we're also seeing other opportunities beyond typical product. We talked a little bit about price pack architecture being a form of innovation for us. And it's really centered back on the consumer and new occasions and or renovating pack types that have been around for decades, like package candy, which we did four years ago, and reframing it into the way it's being used today. We changed the lay down bag to a stand up bag and saw significant growth in the category um, and for our business. So being able to reframe um, the occasion from the consumer perspective and then change the pack type around that has been a really interesting part of innovation, thinking innovatively about that. And then lastly, we actually have 
developed a team called the Strategic Growth Platform Team. They're working on both product and non-product innovation. They're thinking about some of those key consumer cohorts. We've talked about the value consumer cohort, and then also young families as a consumer cohort. And they're also thinking about some of those emerging occasions like a movie night. So it gives us a lot of diversified ways to think about applying innovation. And we're actually seeing that balanced approach come across as much more sustainable. And we've also been able to accelerate our growth through innovation using that approach. Great. Now, you mentioned earlier how COVID and the pandemic have created some shifts in the home and the occasions where your products might fit. Are there some new occasions that you have identified uh, specific to some of what of the shifting um, that has opened up new product opportunities for you? Yeah, we talked a little bit about the movie occasion, so I won't revisit it. That's been one. We actually sent kits into consumers' houses back in April, full of our candy products and all of our different pack types, as well as Skinny Pop and other snacking occasions to learn about what was happening at movie night and how, you know, the traditions and rituals that were being developed. Um, so we did, you know, kind of use some of that opportunity to just hear and co-create with consumers how to think about movie night. Another one that, that has just like totally captivated me is we have large bars in our category called XL bars and giant bars. Um, the giant bars have 25 distinct Hershey squares that can be broken off. When we talk to consumers about it, our sales have been up significantly 40, 50% um, post pandemic in this pack type. And originally, obviously, because it's a low price point, opening price point, it plays a role in the value um, need. We also found that there was a really compelling emotional need <laughs> with the pack type. So moms told us that they loved bringing out that giant bar because the kids couldn't take a piece of candy and just go to their room and like go spend time on their phone. They actually connected around the table breaking off those individual squares of chocolate. And so we found out from some moms, they actually intentionally were buying this as a way to create a family connection moment. And I thought that was such a cool way to think about how the products can bring people together. And, and by reframing and understanding that from a consumer perspective, it allowed us to think about how to renovate that product differently. So we have a product launch next year that renovates that really not just taking into account the momentum and the importance of opening price point um, and that occasion with our, you know, important consumers in our um, business, but also the emotional needs that consumers have and why they're using that product and, and how to make that um, even an enhanced experience for consumers in their homes. That's an excellent example of how you've applied insight to really look for growth opportunity. That's really interesting. Um, one of the areas you mentioned is a passion of yours is the better for you space. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing there in innovation of late. Yeah, better for you space for us really started with setting the strategy. And it was really important for us to lay out what we wanted to do in the space and the category. Um, the really compelling fact for me is that today's 6% of sales and the CMG category come from better for you. When you look broadly into other categories like potato chips or ice cream or other um, groups, they're in the thirties. And so for candy, it was really important, I think for us 
to accelerate growth. We also saw that outside of the category, mainstream brands played a really important role. And in fact, they made up more than half of the growth in all of these other categories. And since we have some terrific mainstream brands in confection, it's really important for us to then lead the way. The first thing we are thinking about is innovation on those core mainstream brands. And we have a focus on sugar reduction as, as the most important place to focus because it's the one thing that every consumer cohort shares in common. We have identified seven different consumer cohorts in Better For You space, and they all have some unique needs as well that we're thinking about you know, how, we, how we innovate around. But sugar reduction will be the center point of our focus. The second thing is from a research and development perspective, a lot of the big breakthroughs have come in other categories from research and development. So um, we announced a partnership with Bonumos, um, I guess it's been several months now, but uh, not quite a year ago, where we talked about the importance of understanding and partnering around their sugar technologies. And also ASR um, is a partner with us in this opportunity to think about sugar reduction and some of the alternatives, natural sugar reduction alternatives that, that exist. So we're working closely with, with partnerships, both in that space, as well as with other brands. And lastly, M&A is an important part um, of our strategy in this space. And so as we think about 6% versus 30%, we see huge opportunity, our, our 10 billion or our 10 year um, growth target is a billion dollars plus in this space. So we're really excited about it. We're really excited with some of the early success we're seeing this year in the space. And I think that continuing to have that focus on what matters most to consumers on sugar reduction is really important. Yes, and I wanted to congratulate you on your recent acquisition of Lilies. That just sounds like the perfect fit for you based on the strategies that you are outlining. So I hope that that uh, integration goes really well for you and uh, continues to help you build that part of the business. Yeah, thank you. We are so excited about Lilies, and we think the complementary nature of having Lilies with our mainstream portfolio is like the, the perfect combination. And, and Lily's is centered in a sugar reduction benefit, which we know is important to consumers and plays a little bit more um, in a different consumer group, a little more premium price point. And so it's a great mm -hmm. complement to our mainstream strategy. And, um, you know, holistically, I, I just balance, I've said a couple of times today, I think that's so important to understand the balance of mainstream and premium. It's also under, important to understand the role better for you plays in the balance of indulgent occasions within the broader category. So all of those things matter. And, and I don't think we're taking a hard left with our better for you strategy, but we are thinking about it as a new consumer group and emerging occasion for growth. And I think Lily's will be a fantastic uh, brand for us to leverage in the space. That's great. Christine, picking up on the theme of seasons, uh, last year was an extraordinary year. And, uh, you kind of do a lot of business during various seasons. I think every two months you have a season. Uh, how did you kind of, and you did, you guys did great. So congratulations on that. And, and how do you, you know, before I talk about, you know, how you planning for the upcoming seasons, what is the key, key concept or key uh, strategies of success that kind of helped you during this, uh, this past year? Yeah, I think, with seasons, if you think about kind of the moment that Halloween was coming, 
and the year of, of COVID and really the, the decision points, we had to make decisions right away, very early on during COVID around how we thought seasons would play out, not knowing if people would trick or treat or not trick or treat, not knowing about some of those occasions. And what we learned very quickly is the emotional connection to the seasons is absolutely undeniable. <laughs> and people found new ways to celebrate seasons. They also um, continue to celebrate seasons. One of my favorite stories is we were talking to consumers about Halloween and they were talking to us about already starting to decorate their houses for Christmas. And I was like, what? What? Like they're in our house where I grew up, it was like the tradition the day after Thanksgiving, which I thought was always early. We would start to get some of our holiday decorations out and start thinking about that. But, but last year, people actually found joy and some of those early celebrations. And we saw it show up um, in Halloween um, with you know, some of the costumes and different events happening in the home throughout the month of October. We saw it happening in holiday with people putting up Christmas trees in October and November. And that trend of early became a really interesting opportunity for us. And the role that candy plays in seasons it sometimes is the center of a season, right? You can't have Halloween without candy. But in other seasons, it's, it's the mood setter. Like candy is a part of the decorations in the house. It's a part of some of the baking moments that happen earlier in the season. It's a part of the gift. So um, for us, that attachment that consumers had to cons- seasons last year was such a pleasant surprise And actually Easter, our most recent season, the category, the candy category was up nearly 10% um, behind Easter this year. And so we really see people rallying around the seasons. The other interesting thing is retailers really depend on seasons. So Mm -hmm. seasons are a traffic driver for retailers. And when people come in to do seasonal shopping, they're coming in with, you know, large baskets of opportunity for retailers. So for us, as we understand how important emotionally these seasons are for consumers, they're also important for retailers to capture important shopping missions, both in store and in the omni-channel environment. So um, we had some season sales on a weekly basis where 41% of sales were happening in omni-channel at key customers. So, you know, it's a, it's a really important future opportunity for us to continue to when with retailers in the store, and then also just omni-channel thinking about how seasons differ online and building that out now, it's a huge opportunity. So is there any surprises you have planned for us as consumers uh, in the coming seasons? Anything that you're scared to share? Yeah, I think the without revealing too much, I think you'll see us continue to think about that early season how early is it to start the season? Consumers are pushing us for earlier. They are begging us for seasonal advertising earlier. They're begging us to, you know, see some of the, the early um, opportunities as, as you know, and um, I, I think people just love that Reese's egg. And, you know, the sooner that thing comes out, you'll see it show up all over social media. I found my first Reese's egg. (laughs) So being able to use early season as an important opportunity, both with retailers to drive the traffic earlier in the season and then also with consumers so they can get some of their seasonal traditions in and extended is one of the key strategies we're thinking about in seasons. 
your category executes extremely well with retailers, right? So uh, it's always great to see. Now shifting uh, a little bit to uh, media and messaging, uh, over to Catherine. Great, thanks KK. So let's shift gears a little bit, Kristen, and talk about your media approach. And you talked earlier about a lot of insights around different consumer segments. How are you tailoring or not tailoring your messaging and, and who you speak to with your advertising? Yeah, you'll be thrilled to hear analytics, analytics, analytics for us <laughs> when we think about our approach in media really being sharp on both consumer understanding and analytics is critical. I think that real time, always on nature of consumer um, insights and analytics is important for us. And we're using that to work much quicker, much more agilely than ever before and, and doing a lot of testing and learning and adjusting and real time. Um, that's become an important part of just the way we work when we think about media. The other thing when it comes to consumers is really knowing our most valuable targets, what's relevant to them, what time of day they might shop, what brands matter to them at different moments in the day from a time-bound perspective or around different occasions or seasons. And so that value of consumer is an important emphasis for us as we're thinking about our media planning and thinking about the right messaging to, to pair with media planning. Um, our teams have just done a fantastic job of pivoting and creating new content. We have our own team um, here at Hershey, we call the C-suite that, um, and, and that's S-W-E-E-T. <laughs> they do a lot of our content development um, and work. So it allows us quickly to then pivot and try new things and understand if they worked or not and make sure we have just really high return on investment for our media dollars. So um, it's an area that is changing rapidly. I think in the marketplace, the media channels are changing, the way we work. We're really excited. We just signed um, on a new partner to work with us. Horizon um, is working and partnering with us on our media and we're working collectively together on our strategy and planning now um, in our first few months together. And there's just a ton of opportunity and we are so lucky to be in a category that consumers not only adore and love these brands, but they also really, because of the top of mind awareness of, of these brands being so high and because of how many occasions candy is relevant for, media is really critical. It's been an import, important part of our strategy for a long time at Hershey. It will continue to be going forward. And so we're just thinking about this kind of uh, evolution and analytics and consumer understanding and rapid and, and quickly um, adapting sometimes on an hourly basis in media as our new way of working. And so there'll be nothing more important than that than insights and analytics. That's impressive with this pace at which the media landscape is shifting. It's so hard to stay on top of it and play to be have the right message in the right place for the right consumer. So I congratulate you on your agility and your efforts to do that. It's great. Thank you. Kristen, you talked uh, uh, a bit about price back architecture and uh, and, and uh, it's very intriguing and interested to see, you're talking about channels, you're talking about occasions, you're talking about cohorts, and uh, you talked a lot about value. So 
and and last year when the pandemic started, we all kind of thought, you know, value is going to kind of really drive because of what are the 20, 30 million people suddenly getting unemployed. And it looks like you guys had a great uh, uh, going with the value end of the segment. But we found later on by, by fall, by summer fall, that there's also quite a bit of premiumization going on. People are trading up because they didn't have any avenues to other avenues to spend. They're eating at home, treating themselves. And in many, many categories, we found there's quite a bit of trading up that was going on. And we have been tracking that. And it's still, it's true. I mean, till now, I mean, we are still finding quite a bit of uh, trading up going on. How, you know, you haven't talked a lot about that. How are you capturing that, that side of the opportunity? Yeah, I think when you think about pricing strategy overall, we've, we've said it and it is a part of our ongoing growth algorithm and part of our mm -hmm. strategy on an annual basis. Yeah. I think, you know, when you think about strategy kind of previously in pricing, list pricing yeah. is a mathematical equation and there, there's an understanding of elasticities and there's an understanding of how those elasticities play out and, and then obviously the realities of the marketplace. When we reframe pricing as a growth idea and not just in context of list pricing, but in price pack architecture, the magic is not to think about it as pricing. It's, the, it's around the consumer. So we talked a lot about that consumer and the learning mm -hmm. we had on Excel and Giant. So mm -hmm. we're actually making a larger bar with more pips that weighs more for consumers. And then we're ideally, you know, kind of working through the um, pricing curves to figure out exactly what the right size is, what the right price point is, and how to find where those two intersections meet because mm -hmm. they're different. It's, it's, it's a little bit more intricate and complicated when you take consumer qualitative emotional feelings about brands and occasions and pack types and the reality of price points. So it's a little bit art and it's a little bit science. And the important thing is it's centered in consumer. And mm -hmm. I think in the past, we've thought about pricing as an analytical lever. We mm -hmm. are thinking going forward when we think about price pack architecture as a growth lever. And if you think about occasions and, and pack types that are several hundred million dollars of business, sometimes some of our pack types are a billion dollars of business. And you first start with the consumer and talk to the consumer about how they're using the product talk to the consumer about the occasions and understanding what occasions are emerging. We talked about the home. You operate differently in home as hub than you operate in home as your pit stop and, and place of rest. And the pantry plays a completely different role. Well, how do you store things in a pantry? That becomes very important to the person who's the pantry CEO who manages all those snacks and the 35 options that you've got to be ready for during the day. And so we really have pivoted and it makes it more complicated, but being able to take back to how we think about category and how we think about you know, consumer, if you take those consumer insights and analytics and, and the realities of how people are using your product, you understand the commercial business, you understand the different needs of shoppers and specific retailers and bring those solutions together you can really bend the curve, if you will, on elasticity. And you can also un realize untapped opportunity for an occasion mm -hmm. that might not quite be being, being met by the category or an occasion that consumers are really looking for products 
but they don't quite have the right solution and it might be a barrier to purchase. So we've reframed that um, equation internally and it's unlocking so much growth opportunity for us. And it's exciting. And I am, I love analytics as much <laughs> as the next person. I was a former engineer <laughs> before oh, okay. working in marketing. So I, I'm a girl who loves analytics, but I also just am completely engrossed in understanding and my team is and understanding what are consumers thinking and how are they using the product and where we might have opportunities for growth. So we're seeing that strategy really fuel so many ideas internally. It's inspiring. It's exciting. It gets the teams fired up. And so we have some new ideas coming in that space. Some we've talked about today. Some, some will be coming mm -hmm. um, that mm -hmm. we haven't talked about that I think is really going to change the way we think about that opportunity. Fascinating. You need to be strategic about your analytics, which is really what you're saying to drive growth. Mm -hmm. uh, congratulations on that. Uh, as, as is evident, I think you recently announced that you've grown 1.4 share points in the last couple of years, right? Versus two years ago. So congratulations on that success. Uh, I think you've answered most of it, but we'll just touch upon a couple of uh, quick points. One is, do you see, how do you see promotions coming back? You may have answered it in a little bit in the context of race architecture, but you know, do you think we are back, we'll be back to the pre-COVID levels this year anytime in terms of the level of promotional activity? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think that from a promotion perspective, what's most important in our category is the occasion. Yeah. So again, we think about it first from a consumer perspective. And so there are occasions that disappeared during the pandemic. Like for us, our first year, there was no March Madness. There was no NCAA tournament. And so, you know, the occasion shifted a bit. And I think adjusting uh, the right promotion. And when I think of promotion in, in a business sense for us, I'm not just thinking of price promotion. I'm thinking about the merchandising event. I'm thinking about what you center um, the, the merchandising on what occasion is relevant, um, you know, what consumers are thinking about during that time. S'mores is obviously a big summer promotion for us. And it's much less about price and much more about occasion. And, you know, we saw a huge amount of growth during COVID in the backyard s'mores occasion. It went from block party to backyard. Mm -hmm. And so we really think about that aspect of, of how things are shifting and we're adjusting. We're always adjusting and, and from promotions. And the other part of promotions that's really important broadly is service and, and knowing inventory and, and being mm -hmm. able to get the right opportunities out there. And so you know, you have to really plan for that. You have to be planful and, and thoughtful about, about how to, you know, balance the needs um, both for on shelf as well as in merchandising. So we're working closely with retailers on that aspect too, because it's important to make sure we've got the right balance of both um, opportunities in place. So I do think it's coming back. I think there was a bit of a, a shock effect that probably affected promotions almost more than anything because of the disruption um, broadly in CPG or broadly in foods and consumer goods around, you know, making sure that inventory balance got in place. And then the other piece of making sure the occasions got realigned to the consumer. And so now that there's been some time to adjust, 
I think in 2022, those adjustments will create more momentum and, and more opportunities. We've had great success. We're right now doing Olympics, which has been awesome. And Michael yeah. Phelps has been our spokesperson. And um, the whole joke for Reese's this year has been, which is greater um, Reese's ultimate peanut butter lovers or Michael Phelps and Michael Phelps kind of joking like, Hey, don't you need me? <laughs> because people love Reese's so much. They even love it more. So, um, he's been a great sport and a great partner for us. And we've seen, um, I think, uh, year to date, we're up 15%. We're seeing great results with, with that summer Olympic promotion. So, but again, I think it's important to reframe yeah. the role of promotions. Uh, last, but uh, I just touch on one other point, which I think you've already answered from, you know, you're kind of architecting categories, leveraging data and insights very strategically, right? In everything you do, right? And, and clearly uh, working with you, you know, uh, with your teams, we do know you leverage quite a bit of data and analytics. What are some of the unusual data sets or analytics that you're doing that would be helpful for others who may want to, emulate Hershey's, you know, successful data and analytics strategy, if you will. I think the importance of multiple data sets is important. So I think, you know, the idea of, of collecting a group of analytics and, and then again, a group of consumer insights and bringing and collecting those all together to see what things fit and correlate. And then also the idea of, of how you enrich your data and, and layer data on data, which is mm -hmm. kind of a funny thing to think about, but layering weather data on retail mm -hmm. data gives us insights into how different parts of the category or different parts of the country perform differently with some of the key category. Um, layering COVID trends and COVID case counts on top of retail sales and data on top of pa panel information become important for us in setting the right ongoing strategy. We have retail sales teams that are in the market every single day. So every single day we have an opportunity to reprioritize their time based mm -hmm. on what's happening and what we're seeing and where the opportunities sit. So we've really taken that real-time approach and I'll call it data on data <laughs> and mm -hmm. enriching the data um, with the right, you know, kind of disruptive out of the box corollaries and trends and bringing that all together has been a powerful tool for us. Catherine, final question. I have one last question for you, Kristen, which is, as you think about the last 18 months, it's it's been a wild ride, right? Get through the pandemic. Um, and you took on this role not long before we headed into the pandemic. So what leadership lessons have you learned over the last 18 months or perhaps lessons that you knew, but they really came into play during the last 18 months. Would love to hear about that. Yeah, I think the thing that was very quickly important is how important it was to take care of our employees. And, you know, one of our employees last summer said, we don't know if we can trust the news that's in the media we don't know and understand and sometimes are confused by what the government is saying, but we really trust you. And so can you help us process things that are happening in the world around us, like the murder of George Floyd, like what's happening in um, flexibility, like what's happening in mental health with our employees. And so as a leader, 
when you hear one of your team members ask for that, it completely changes the game. And certainly we still have business results to deliver, but there's a higher purpose and calling and leadership around really caring for your employees on another level. And I think over the last year and a half, there's been this peeling back of maybe a layer that used to exist between leadership and employees, manager and employee, between coworkers and peers that allow us to really connect on such a deeper level. And the responsibility as a leader to know and understand employees in that way, to really make sure that you know how they're feeling, that you're checking in on their mental health in a time where everything in the world is, is being disrupted. The lives of their children, their families. Some people are, are caretakers for sick people. Some people are going through personal things. There's financial things to think about. All of these things are real and they're part of us as people. And when we think about how to care for our employees and help support them in those situations, and then also do business together in a, in a really team and collaborative way, which is very different, you know, how we've worked over the last 18 months, but keep all of those things that make the culture and support and care and trusting environment all sacred and safe. We can actually unleash fantastic results. At Hershey, we are tremendously proud of the results we've had as a company, the growth that has accelerated, um, you know, we just finished our second quarter earnings announcement. We had a 16 and percent growth quarter as proud as I am of that number. I'm prouder of how we've taken care of our employees and how we've brought the best of ourselves to work. And I just, I have a different viewpoint today than I did 18 months ago about what is important in leadership and what makes me a great leader. And those things have always mattered to me but the responsibility of how important they are for our organization has never been more clear. And so I'm really grateful for that learning and excited about working in this new way of really knowing each other deeply and then still producing fantastic results um, and spending time on the care of employees. That's great. That's really wonderful to hear and so important. So it's, it's really great that you um, were able to leverage that throughout this last 18 months. Thank you. Thank you, Kristen, KK, and Catherine. Uh, fascinating conversation. Really incredibly interesting to learn. Certainly some tremendous leadership lessons I think we can all take cues from. Before we close out, I thought I'd just recap of some of the key themes that I heard from all of you today. Uh, Kristen, you talked about Hershey's role in driving total category growth, understanding consumers in, in fundamentally new ways, leveraging more data than ever before, and actually kind of layering data on data, as well as technology and analytics, and essentially re-architecting what it means to be a category leader. I thought that was really interesting perspective. You certainly talked about the pandemic and how Hershey took a hard look at the value equations and consumer engagements, including pricing, assortment, your media plans and messaging, and your consumer frameworks and what you're delivering to consumers as they were rapidly evolving, creating occasions for all consumers across all price points. We talked a little bit about digital and omni and partnering with your retailers to come up with 
creative contemporary and relevant strategies and programs that you had previously not developed before. Things like Better For You. And you also, I think, talked quite a bit about, um, which I thought was fascinating, how the home has really become the hub for consumers, requiring you to really reframe innovation and marketing strategies, such as the work you did behind your Excel size bars, you know, the ritual of bringing them out and breaking off a piece after dinner and how moms really embrace that new ritual and that new occasion. And so that was certainly very interesting. And I think a, a takeaway that many will, will kind of put back in their heads to say, how do we be, how, do, how can we be rethinking some of these occasions in non-traditional ways? You also talked about embracing enduring trends and occasions, leveraging the art and the science of, from the consumer insights to ad identify and kind of support evolving occasions or long-term more enduring uh, emerging occasions such as streaming movies at home and retooling your approaches to value pack sizes and types. Certainly a lot of information to share around innovation, how Hershey has really reframed its innovation efforts from one single big core big bet to a series of actions that are appropriately re reframed for today's consumers, spanning product innovation, price pack architecture, certainly and then non-product innovation, you know, tapping into those emerging untapped occasions, all proving to be sustainable in, in helping you guys unlock new and increased growth. So congratulations to that. You talked a little bit about some of the partnerships that you had developed around better for you and sugar reductions, as well as M&A activity, such as bringing lilies into the Hershey family. So congrats on that. One of the things that I think is certainly a, a kindred philosophy to to Hershey and IRI is really focusing on your people and making sure that uh, these incredible teams of people that are rapidly evolving in the way they do business, really taking a hard look at their lives outside of work and really doing everything that you possibly can to take care of them in a time of great uncertainty. And then of course, not last, but certainly not least, rapid decision-making, accelerating your speed to decision-making but also that emotional connection to seasons, totally undeniable. Consumers will always find a way to celebrate and carry on their rituals, which is a big learning for you guys. And I personally second that, candy brings joy always. So just a couple of high level thoughts coming out of this conversation. Certainly appreciate you taking the time to be with us today and imparting your perspective and your wisdom. We greatly appreciate it. For our listeners and viewers at home, this recorded conversation will be available on our website at iriworldwide.com. We hope you'll take the opportunity to review our other thought leadership, including valuable reports, and of course, our ongoing dashboard of economic indicators. With that, thanks so much for listening today and have a great day. Take care.